This is Verve, the style podcast, your only source for everything fashion on the internet. We're your hosts. I'm Katie Gassman. And I'm Anna Grace Averett. With a combined 10 years of experience in e-commerce fashion, from buying and styling to visual merchandising and content creation, Katie and I know firsthand how the internet is reshaping the fashion industry. We sit down with your favorite creators and the next wave of innovators to discuss how they're pushing fashion forward and break down five of their favorite fits. On our solo episodes, we get into the latest fashion news, runway shows, internet trends, pop culture. It's basically like going to happy hour with your fashion besties. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and follow along on TikTok and Instagram to see what we're wearing. I'm at Katie Gassman, two S's, two N's. And I'm at Anna Grace Averett. That's A-V as in Valentino, E-R-E-T-T. So sit back with your mandatory three beverages and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Verve. This week, we have a fabulous episode with Taylor Kitara. Taylor Kitara is an artist and fashion content creator currently living in Brooklyn, New York. Back in 2020, Taylor was working at a talent agency. When the pandemic hit, she reconnected to her love of painting and shared her work on TikTok, where she now has built a platform of almost 200,000. On her TikTok, Taylor shares her love of vintage fashion and how she's a proud outfit repeater. She walks us through how she went from binge shopping at Zara for a dopamine hit after a rough day at work, who can relate, to intentionally thrifting to find unique pieces she treasures. Her surreal oil paintings are inspired by her French grandmother's infamous Sunday night dinner parties. The exaggerated scale and figures represent how her childhood memories have been embellished and distorted over time. Taylor is currently prepping for her debut solo show, Go Play, The Adults Are Talking, which opens June 4th in New York City. If you can't make the show, be sure to check out her limited edition prints and totes for sale on her website, which is linked in the show notes. And with that, here's Taylor Kitara. Hi, Taylor. We like to ask all of our guests, what was your first fashion memory? When did you realize that you love fashion maybe more than the average girl? I mean, we can go way back. Um, I actually did a lot of child modeling and was homeschooled up until like eighth grade. And so I think one of my earliest memories is actually (laughs) I modeled for this Barbie set, like a Barbie, um, (laughs) it's like a Barbie beach set with like a towel and chairs and a swimsuit and it's like a whole set and I just remember feeling like the cutest and coolest and I think I was hooked ever since then it's just that's the perfect idea in like a little girl's mind too it's like Barbie and a whole set and I'm wearing it so I think that was one of my core memories in my favorite <laughs> fashion Um, How did you get into child modeling? Is that something you wanted to do or did your parents kind of guide you to it? Yeah, my mom modeled a lot when she was younger. And I think, you know, I started modeling. I have a twin brother and we started modeling together when we were like six months old. And then she, you know, throughout would always check in with us and say, you know, is this something you're enjoying? Is this something you want to do? Um, because that's, you know, very important. And we loved it. it. We made so many friends. I felt like I was able to learn how to communicate with adults better because I was surrounded by them so much. Whereas being, you know, in traditional schooling, it's just like your teacher and kids. And um, I think I learned a lot about like professionalism, but I also had such a good time. So 
I think it was when I was a teenager that I decided I wanted to take a step back um, and just focus on school and like what I wanted to do going into college. But it was a great way to not only like learn about that industry, but I also got to like save money for college. So, so yeah. Was there any singular event that led you to say modeling is not for me or was it just a slow decline of disinterest? Um, it was actually kind of, I feel like when I'm from Miami, Florida, and I knew so many people um, who were modeling and acting who basically you're given a decision at that point where unless you're super tall and, you know, are a quote unquote, you know, industry standard, perfect model, you can get into acting and you can go to LA. And so it was like, okay, Taylor, do you, my mom asked me, she's like, do you love this enough that you want to like move to LA Mm -hmm. and leave your friends and like, is that what you want to do? It's mm-hmm. like, no, not really. Cause I love modeling always, but acting for me wasn't something that I was, I like it. It's fun, but I wasn't super passionate about it. Um, so that's when I said, you know what? School is more important to me. So I'm going to focus on that. How did some of the skills that you learned modeling translate into your content creation career today? Well, I was definitely exposed to fashion and, um, you know, more in-depth and early age than I think anyone else normally would be. Um, Like my first runway show I did, I was eight (laughs) and it was so much fun and I barely remember anything. I just remember walking and you see all these lights and then it's over. But, you know, just being backstage and seeing all these like beautiful women and they're putting on these amazing outfits and it's crazy. It's such a weird world, especially at a young age to be a part of and unless you have you have to have a good support system because it can be very you know there's good sides and bad sides to it um but overall I think my experience was really great I can't complain when did you begin to transition into making art or has that always been a part of your life that's always been a part of my life I think that my mom when you know I was homeschooled she said okay look you got to do extracurricular activities. We got to make sure, you know, you're a normal kid. So my brother and I got to pick each one thing that we got to do. And then we had to both do it. So I picked art classes. And so he had to come with me to art classes (laughs) and I had to do soccer with him, which was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Just and then I had to do basketball, which is even worse. I was just oh, like, yeah, no. minute of it. But, <laughs> so I think, and I always stuck to art, whereas he would switch his, you know, activity up. And I was, I loved art. And for a while, I thought I wanted to be an artist. And then in high school, I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And look where I am now. My mom was like, I always knew you were going to be an artist. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel some sort of pressure to not pursue art because I feel like around the time that you're a teenager is when people start telling you what you should or should not do with your life and that maybe being the artist isn't like the smartest safest choice and that there are more like typical careers that you should pursue no that's exactly on the nose because um, I mean my parents never told me that but there's so many people that um, you know that any creative field they just 
kind of tend to say, oh, well, you know, there's not much money in that, or, you know, you should get a degree first just in case. And I think that's such a sad way to look at it because it's not really, it's about hard work at the end of the day. And it's about, you know, being passionate about what you do and putting in the effort. Um, so it definitely swayed me a little bit. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go to school for psychology. <laughs> and, um, but I ended up transferring into, into film. So speaking of hard work, social media is definitely not an avenue where I guess there are certain people who have one viral video and then everything blows up and that's almost the expectation or that's what people think it's going to be so easy. But we were chatting about it before we started the interview that you have to spend time and it is a lot of hard work. So how do you balance your art career, your social media, your personal life? Is it something that you actively choose to separate? Yeah, I mean, wow, it's, it's a lot of work to balance because it's never ending, right? You have emails and you have um, filming and then you have to plan out what you're filming. And then I have my art and I have to paint and I have to sketch. So what I do is I separate the week out into days where I have days that are just dedicated to content creation, just days that are dedicated to being in the studio and painting. And then I have a couple of days that are a mix of everything. Um, and that's kind of what keeps me sane is having a schedule. <laughs> I used to just try to do things as they came up, but it was too chaotic for me. I'm a big planner schedule person. So, <laughs> Do you find it hard to keep the ideas generating or to like get in that creative flow when you're constantly kind of switching ideas from this is what I'm painting to this is what I'm filming or taking photos of? Oh yeah, because it's it's so weird to have, especially when I'm filming, it's, I have to sometimes not even go on TikTok because I'll see other people's videos and be like, oh, well, people are doing this trend. Does that mean I have to do this trend? And then just remember, okay, you spend a lot of time writing down what videos you want to do today. Just focus on those and then you can do more. And it's this constant, just like what can I do more? What can I do better? And it can be a little toxic if you don't check yourself. Um, there is no like end point, you know, that's the thing with social media. Like you yeah. could just post 10 times a day if you really wanted to. And so it's hard to tell yourself that like what I have planned and what I'm doing is enough and that I don't need to do anymore. No, that's so true. And then, you know, there's so many different creators. Like I see creators who post their styles to post casual videos and sometimes I'll post like 20 videos a day and that for me I could never but it works for them but that doesn't mean that's the only way to do it and I have friends who only post once a month but their videos are so well done like movies so it makes sense for them mm -hmm. um, but yeah I think for me it was just kind of reminding myself that my what I'm doing works for me and I don't have to mimic anyone else, even though it can be tempting when you see everyone else doing crazy stuff all the time. Absolutely. So in your TikTok and Instagram bio, you are a self-proclaimed outfit repeater. Have yes. you always subscribed to this mentality or is it newly found for you? 
Oh, it's newly found. Um, I'd say, I mean, I've never been opposed to outfit repeating, but I definitely would say it's more of the past two or three years that I've really focused on really appreciating my clothes and understanding that your closet to me, I think should be an archive, something that you build over time, similar to an art collection, because to me, I view clothing as artwork in its own right. And I remember the days when I would literally walk into Zara after having a bad day at work and I would just like binge shop. And that's how I would like get rid of my stress. But then it's because I was in a mood and I go home and I'd be like, I wear, I won't wear any of this mm-hmm. for me personally, like maybe one or two things. And then, you know, I ended up donating it six months later and I was like, okay, well, this is just not working for me. What am I doing wrong? And it took a lot of like experimentation. And I think, um, I think thrifting really helped me experiment without feeling like a lot of stress everything's affordable so you don't have to like really stress too much about making a purchase and then not liking it Mm -hmm. Um, so I always recommend thrifting as like a great way for people to you know discover their personal style without um, making any like risks that they I don't know just might regret Yeah. When you look at fashion as a form of a self-expression versus an avenue to fit in or to be accepted and, um, you know, be part of the mainstream or something like that, it can get pricey to feel like you have to go spend a ton of money to be your like best self or like express yourself in the best way. But that's not a hundred percent necessary. Like you just said. No, it's definitely not. And it's so silly that that's the one thing is TikTok can definitely be mm-hmm. a little, you know, everyone's like, oh, like, like, you know, everyone's wearing these different outfits all the time. And like, I, it gives you a sense of pressure, like, oh, do I need to have this crazy wardrobe? And it's like, no, you don't. So I try to push for the outfit repeating because it's also appreciating the clothing. You don't want to just wear it once and never wear it again. Right. Like right? if you bought it because you like wearing, it. Yeah. And I'm known for wearing my little like bare backpacks. I have two of them. Oh, I and love people that. Literally so be like, cute. You're not wearing your bare backpack. That's how I didn't know it was you. I'm like, well, <laughs> the one day I'm not wearing it, but. <laughs> right. You can't have a signature look if you don't re-wear your pieces. Exactly. That's, that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find yourself over consuming when you switched to thrifting though? Because I feel like fast fashion and thrifting both have this like huge dopamine hit to them when you're buying yeah. like because it's cheap and especially with thrifting you can buy a lot of stuff and you're like oh this is so cool that maybe you overlook some of the factors like fit quality it's it comfortable it might you get home and you're like oh this is so itchy I'm only gonna wear this once did you ever find yourself in that cycle yeah definitely especially when I first started thrifting there were a couple like the first couple of times where I do a thrift run, I was like, oh, this would be so cute if I just like adjust this or, you know, I can DIY that or, and, but then you never get around to it. Right. And, or it's just, you have this idea for an outfit, but it only works in a very specific occasion. <laughs> and so definitely I fell into that trap, but I quickly realized I was like, okay, I have this now small pile of clothes that, I've never worn. So 
I've become way more selective now when I do go thrifting and I try to go in with a list of anything that I actually need and only look for that. And that's a, that helps. That helps curb the, <laughs> the desire to just grab everything. <laughs> I saw a really cool, um, pretty obvious um, way to thrift. And it's like, you don't deny yourself the like dopamine hit of throwing something in your cart, but making sure to edit after, after you do that, making sure to just sort things and be like you said, maybe have a list of things that you're looking for or criteria and then putting it back. So then you don't like miss out on feeling like you're shopping, but you're not over consuming. No, and that's actually become one of my favorite parts of thrifting. I will go alone, but my favorite part is to go with some friends. And then what we'll do is we'll be like, okay, guys, five minutes. We're going to meet in the back of the store and we're going to like hang everything up and we're going to start like talking about it. And we'll spend like a good 30 <laughs> minutes being like, what do you think? Like, is this practice? And we just talk about it. And then you end up cutting stuff down and you're happy with what you've found. And I mean, it's part of the experience. It actually is a great way to bond with your friends and it's very fun. So That's my favorite way to shop is like to go with friends to look at each other and you're like, okay, we separate for 30 minutes and then we'll meet up at the end with our finds and kind of like figure it out. Or if someone gets something and they're like, oh, this doesn't fit me, but then it fits you. That's like the greatest feeling ever. Oh, it's the best feeling. One time I went thrifting and my friend, she found me one of my favorite dresses of all time. She's like, look, it's not for me. It's not my style but it's you and I wear it all the time. So, you know. And now you think of that friend every time you wear it. What a happy little memory. Yeah. So it's like also in tune with bringing like a story into with your clothes, which is I think very important. Basically finding some kind of value, whether it be just a beautiful piece that you'll appreciate or it has some kind of sentimental value. I think then you want to keep it and you want to appreciate it and take good care of it. Um, And I think that's what I'm trying to push for on my platform is everyone to really appreciate their clothes and see it as like a lifelong commitment and not just like, oh, I'm going to throw it away like in a year or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you look for in your thrift purchases or secondhand items versus a piece that you choose to purchase brand new or when do you decide to buy something brand new versus putting it on the thrift list? Yeah. I mean, if there is something I need for me, I think I actually lack a lot in basics. I have a lot of crazy, cool, funky pieces. So I'll go to the thrift and look for basics. And if I just can't find it, then I'll buy it. Um, but you white t-shirts like impossible to find because they're always stained and they just don't exactly. make it to the thrift store. Yeah. yeah. But button downs always find them at the thrift and they're amazing. I've never, I can't remember the last time I bought a blazer. I have so many blazers that are thrifted and they're always the men's section is the best. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, I look for, I look at the tags, but I don't look at that first. I kind of look at the, I like to touch, see how it feels, look at the tag then and see if it's something I recognize. If not, it's fine, but, um, and just make sure it's in good condition because if it's in good condition, then, and it's something that I can see myself wearing at least like four or five times, then I'll probably get it. Have you noticed any, 
specific improvements or benefits in your life after changing your shopping habits? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd say, um, I don't know, I've always found like when I would go to a mall and do like the mall shopping, the big stores, it was very anxiety inducing for me. Mm. And I don't know, I just felt like a lot of pressure and there's always like lines and people and it's like that at the thrift store, but it's different because I know people say there's competition at thrift stores, but I guess that's like if you see someone who's like looking for the same thing that you are, but everyone's kind of in their own world and they're doing their own thing where I don't know, like in a mall, it's like a lot more like being in high school or something. Yeah. The youths are running amok in the mall. And I feel like in a thrift store, I have my headphones in. I maybe have a little drink. I'm minding my own business and Mm. no one can mess with my vibes. Yeah. And also like, I know, you know, when you go and try stuff on at the mall, it's like, depending on the store you're in, it can just be like a little intimidating and like whatever's like around you. And I know there's like saw some TikTok where it said Aritzia doesn't even have mirrors like in their changing rooms. It's like out in the main area. And I would just like feel like so awkward. (laughs) It literally feels like a zoo for some reason. Like I haven't (laughs) been to an Aritzia, but like I just imagine that experience is like a bit terrifying. I haven't been either, but I saw someone make a video about that. I was like, that's just like so terrifying. That in itself would make me never go because I'd Mm -hmm. be like, all the boyfriends like sitting out there like you know what if you try something on it's just horrible and everyone's just like you know yeah that was yeah you are that is not meant for you right or the sales associates at the mall like at the thrift store no one's bothering you asking you if you need help and I know that they're all just trying to like do their job it's not their fault but at the thrift store again minding your own business you're just on your own shit yeah and that's a real thing actually that's a good point is when you're shopping at a store and you know I'm sure that most of the time their compliments are genuine they're like oh that that looks great or they'll bring you something Mm -hmm. because I appreciate that I'm also like no like because I can immediately tell like I don't like this but then I feel bad yes and it's like a guilt thing and I just when I'm shopping it's similar to working out I just want to be like in the zone Uh doing my thing and nobody, you know, talk to me. (laughs) I feel like my other thing with the, like going to a mall or going to like a big box store is that you lose some sense of like individualism. That's kind of one of the reasons I love thrifting is because you're like, I know I'm going to be the only person that has this thing. And then you attach whatever store you have behind it of, I found this Marc Jacobs dress for a dollar, or I was in Colorado and I thrifted like the perfect cowboy boots. And it just gives it like, so much meaning behind the clothing rather than being like I went to Zara and I bought a neon green blazer that's all Hailey Bieber wearing and like everyone else is wearing it now too no that's so true because at a store everything's curated it's just like whatever's out there they have specifically curated they're like this is what people want to see so we're going to put that out there but what if you're not one of those people right so when you walk into a thrift store there's no curation at all it's like this is what you're for better or worse. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah. And then that kind of actually is a great way to see what am I genuinely like attracted to? What am I consistently like pulling? And that's a great way to learn like, okay, this is the kind of stuff that I like, and this is what I don't like. So that's a great take. I've never heard it explained like that, but I think that's a really good way to kind of experiment with your personal style because you're losing the blinders of 
what the merchants at the company are trying to sell you and you're just given like a huge playing field of like here is this all of this random clothing like see what you're attracted to mm-hmm. yeah and you're not blinded by brands because I mean unless you find like a rare gem most of the time it's going to be some you know off brand that doesn't exist anymore or something um, more obscure and so it's purely based on the design of the clothing so love that yeah. is your art ever inspired by your fashion or vice versa Yes, definitely. Um, I think as much as my art is one job and my TikTok is another, it tends to coincide very well. And I think I've always been, when it comes to my fashion and art, color is a huge thing for me. So sometimes I'll even like look at a, you know, old runway show and I'll see an outfit someone's wearing and be like, okay, I don't care about that outfit actually I love this color scheme and then use that as something for inspiration for a sketch or painting so yeah it goes in harmony for sure (laughs) who or what is inspiring your art right now um well I'd say like my art is kind of an intersection between like my French heritage I my dad's side of the family is French um and also I guess like my current reality and the life that I'm living. Um, And a lot of my work is taking, sitting with my inner child and taking these like memories I have as a kid and almost like a dreamlike state and making them exaggerated. Um, Cause we all have like core memories and I'm taking that and kind of intersecting it with my reality today and making it this abstract crazy um, scene that is partly true, but also not. <laughs> so very, very wild and crazy. <laughs> Do that come to you in like a dream? Do you kind of get like flashbacks of these memories that you have now inflated? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'll also like pull old photos from my grandma's photo album and um, I'll even take other people's memories like that have been passed on like my mother's uh, wedding and stories from that and that I turned into a painting and it's very interesting I would like ask every one of my family members separately things that they remember about certain events and then it's very interesting how things are always not the same and (laughs) get mixed up because you know our memories are always changing and half of them are fabricated. So, <laughs> Do you have a specific example that comes to mind right now? Um, well, oh, you mean like of one of my paintings? Yeah. Or like a memory that you presented to a family member and they're like, uh, that is not how that happened. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, um, I guess in my grandma, she used to host these dinners she was kind of like you always have that one person in the family that is the host right and they're having everyone the whole family over every week and so she would always have these like crazy dinners and there was always a time where the kids would be like forced to go in the other room and it was like okay now like it's time for the adults to like chat and do their thing and in my eyes I remember being like so just like the adults like extravagant and they're eating and they're drinking. And like, in my eyes, it was like looking at this big table and I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. And then to my mom, she's like, man, those dinners are so boring. (laughs) (laughs) 
I always wanted, and I'm thinking like, well, look, there's like, you know, on Christmas, we have like stone crabs or fish or whatever. And, um, you know, it's just interesting how the mind works and mm-hmm. yeah. Pretty, pretty so your first solo show is called Go Play, The Adults Are Talking. Yes. Which <laughs> you just kind of mentioned where that term comes from. What was the process like for setting up your first solo show? Is this your first art show ever or have you been involved in some collective ones in the past? I've been involved in some small collective ones in the past, but those were, you know, high school, like right before I went to college. So this is, I consider this my first um, real show and it's going to be a solo show, which is amazing. Usually that's not the case. I'm very uh, excited and yeah, it's been, I've been working on it for two years um, and it's finally happening and I can't believe it's happening. It's happening in a week and like a couple of days, June 4th and 5th. And, uh, and I'm not sleeping. I'm telling you the anxiety's <laughs> real. <laughs> Can you walk us through how one puts together an art show? Yeah, I'd say I basically started painting, um, during covid when I had a job as an assistant at a talent agency and we were work from home. And so I was just painting because I felt like I needed to just have this like creative outlet with everything going on and the stress. And I thought I was going to lose my job and I was just like, okay, I need to paint. So basically that happened. I ended up posting on TikTok and I think it was nice to kind of have people be like, your art's great. Like you should keep doing it. And that was for me was like, okay, like, why did I ever stop? And so then after a while I realized, okay, I'm going to have a show um, once I was in New York. But um, I guess the thing is normally artists will work with a gallery, um, but then the gallery takes usually 50% commission, which is crazy. That's massive. It's huge. And so I said, you know what? what would I be paying a gallery for? I'd be paying them commission to market and advertise the show. But because I have a following, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it myself. I'm just going to rent a space and then kind of be my own publicist and event planner and just try it out and see how it goes. And so, yeah, it's a lot of emails and finding out who should be aware of it as well as simple things like insurance and (laughs) what are you getting insured like the art or the space yeah I have to make sure like in case something crazy were to happen like the art is insured and the space is insured um I'm also doing like a pop-up print shop as well so um you know anyone who just wants to get like a little something can come and Um, it's going to be wonderful. I'm very excited, but a lot, a lot of planning. Yeah. Is this the new wave for artists to kind of go this independent route? I feel like with the rise of streaming that happened for music. And now that people have their own platforms in all variety of ways, is this perhaps a new avenue that people are going to be taking more at large? Oh, definitely. And I think COVID was definitely kind of a catalyst in a sense um, for artists having this like newfound kind of sense of freedom and not having be like, (laughs) 
in the grasp of galleries because mm. with COVID, we, there are no art shows happening. So then it's like, okay, well, unless I'm selling my work online, there's no way I'm making money as an artist. So they kind of said, well, I have to market it myself. So then with social media or however they chose to do that, um, it's really like opened everyone's eyes. It's like, okay, you know, there's some galleries I understand that are amazing and they have a great clientele list. But then again, like if you can do it yourself, that's a huge chunk of money that you don't have to give to someone else. So there's a time and a place for both. For anyone who hasn't seen your art, how would you describe what it looks like? Like, where does your style of painting come from? Are there particular artists or movements that inspire you? Yeah, I mean, it's abstract. I can, if I had to compare it to any movement, it'd be this movement called Fauvism, um, which is like a French movement. And it's, you know, there's little touches of realism there, but it's very abstract, especially in the color schemes. Um, but I was very influenced by artists like Modigliani and Matisse when I was younger. Um, but some of my favorite artists are more current. Like, um, there's a great artist named Tom Howes and he's got these amazing pieces as well as, um, there's an artist, her name is Faye Weiwei. I think that's how uh, to pronounce it, but she does these beautiful, um, pieces and she actually works with, um, some high fashion brands too now, which would be, that's kind of like my trajectory, hopefully, <laughs> to intersect those two somehow. Yeah, what's your, your ideal brand or like garment, let's say? Yeah, I mean, I would just maybe like a, I would love to do some kind of bag. Like that would be cool, so mm. cool. Like I love the Loewe Spirited Away collab. Yes. Of course, it's, you know, spirited away. So obviously <laughs> I've seen artists still design like the invitations for a runway show, which I think is really cool. Um, there's so many, so many avenues. A print, that would be really cool. Yeah, a print for, I know Tanya Taylor is a brand that's doing, uh, working with artists to do prints on their dresses, which I think is really special. Yeah, you got to put out in the universe. Yeah, yeah, put it out there. <laughs> exactly. For everyone who wants to go take a peek at your art, do you want to let them know where they can find you? We normally do this at the end of the show, but I'm feeling like people listening are going to want to go take a peek while we're while they're listening to this episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm very good at linking everything. So even if you go to my Instagram, I have my Art by Katara Instagram linked. And then I also have a website. It's www.artbykatera.com. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find everything. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we are still TBD working name on this. We need a more fabulous name if anyone has a suggestion. But our personal style corner, which can ask you a few questions, everyone can get a sense of what you're into and what your yeah. outfits might look like. So the first one is how would you describe your personal style? You know, I actually did a video about this recently uh, because I, that's one of my most common comments I would get is people say, what is your style called? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I would look it up and be like, okay, well, it's a little bit of this. Like we have some ballerina core going on, you know, but I also have like a punk side. And then I have like a huge appreciation for like 
streetwear in Japan. And I was like, ah, oh. so I basically just coined my own term, which is Tokyo ballerina punk rock star. <laughs> so I, I love that. That's what I'm calling it. And you know what? If it's not accurate, I don't care. That's what it is. So. Did you ever play um, Guitar Hero as a kid? There was like one yeah. avatar on there who was like, I feel embodied that she was like. No, from- I've literally gotten a comment about that. They're <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, like, that person. That's I'm like, yeah, I don't remember the. I don't either, but I'm glad you knew exactly what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to find I- that and do like a little side by side or something. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm sure one of my outfits is just like a mirror image. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you have a style icon? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it changes a lot, but lately my style icon has been um, this lovely photographer and creative director slash fashionista named Nadia Lee Cohen. I highly recommend um, looking her up. She she's kind of an artist in all senses. She's a photographer. Um, I believe she does sculpting as well. And she's a creative director and she styles her own shoots and they're amazing. So highly recommend looking her up. Okay. So who's your, or do you have a favorite designer or brand? Hmm. I mean, I love Blue Marine, like vintage Blue Marine. I like their stuff now, but I love their 2000s um, runway, Um, 2004 to be specific. (laughs) I love that runway. I actually have one of the skirts I was able to find. Um, But what else? Oh, I love um, Hysteric Glamour. It's like a really cool brand. Um, and then I love this brand, Gusto Barcelona. They're known for like their graphic tees and kind of funky dresses. Very similar to like that one brand, Desi Gall, I think that's how you pronounce it. But um, yeah, great stuff. And I'm always like trolling the internet for pieces of theirs. So. What's a trend that you participated in in the past that gives you the ick now? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I'm going to take it like way back to when I was in middle school and it was definitely like the neon colored jeans. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. We were all there. Yes. I had a yellow pair. (laughs) I had a bright neon blue pair and they were skinny and low rise. It was a choice that we all made. (laughs) Yeah, it was a bad choice. But, you know, that's part of style evolution so I can't write myself up too much (laughs) okay you have to choose your final look this is the look you die in therefore it is your ghost outfit so you are in it for the rest of the eternity haunting everyone what is the look okay my a good friend of mine who loves fashion she got her hands on a uh, Molly Godard two-piece set and it's this beautiful like skirt with ruffles and it's cream and then it has this matching top and it's like very structured in the front and there's this beautiful big like black bow in the back and I think that would have to be it. Uh, Love the sound of that. Yeah just you know twirl around and haunt people. (laughs) (laughs) I love too that you're exactly. like, yeah, I'm gonna steal my friend's thing and she's just yeah. gonna have to live without it. <laughs> yeah, well she she was like, You can borrow it and then she ended up giving it to me, so it's mine. <laughs> oh, nice. What a great That's friend. A good friend, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, now it's time to move into outfits for all the listeners. In the show notes, we will have a link to our listener guide on our Instagram at Verve Podcast, where you'll be able to see all of Taylor's outfits, and you're definitely going to want to see these while you're listening. Um, We've got a lot to talk about, so let's jump into it. So one is you're giving very Harajuku. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you're giving very Japan streetwear. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm in Paris, which is funny. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So walk us through. What are you wearing? What did you do in it? Any great stories? Any improvements that you would make? Yeah, I say so this outfit uh, I wore pretty recently. It's like a little over a month ago. And I've been super into ties lately. So that's Mm. how I styled this outfit was around the tie, which I thrifted. It's like a boarding school, like boys school tie. (laughs) (laughs) that I got from the thrift um and so I kind of styled this outfit around that and I I think guys ties to me are like the scarves for summer if I have to say it all right yeah I think we need to see more ties I love them but yeah and the the skirt is vintage Burberry and the long sleeve is uh Custo Barcelona and the shoes are thrifted no idea where they're from and same with the just collared top is also thrifted so a lot of it's thrifted you're channeling the Mew Mew skirt yes yeah like thank god this one is not that short because that's just <laughs> so dangerous like I can't walk through my life and like deal with that I'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> especially in New York with like the vents oh yeah no (laughs) game over (laughs) so all right outfit number two we're getting sexy secretary yeah so um outfit number two the blue dress is that what the one Mm -hmm. all right sorry so yeah outfit number two is um this blue beaded dress. This is actually the dress that my friend had thrifted me that I told you guys about earlier. Yeah. And it's like a vintage Bagley Mishka dress and it's all beaded. It doesn't look like beautiful. Um, And it must've been like someone's homecoming dress maybe. I don't know, but I love it. And I paired it with like a just simple white colored tank and um, the shoes are thrifted and the bag is like Prada nylon. Nice. I love that, like ribbon detailing on the waist. Yeah, the ribbon's so beautiful. Pretty. And then I tried to match my makeup with the. I was just about to <laughs> say the blue eyeshadow ties it all together. Yeah, I love that color coordinating. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, do you wear a lot of matching makeup? I do. I think it's such an easy way to make the look just pop and it's no work because you can literally just put one color. Right. And so if you're not a makeup artist, like, it's such a clean look that doesn't require a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days of 2016 makeup where you have to blend 7,000 eyeshadows to get the look. Oh my God. Yes. No, I can't. <laughs> are you pretty good at makeup because you're a painter? Does those skills like correlate? Yeah, I definitely would say that I'm, I can, I'm pretty good now. You know, I'm not going to like, I'm good on myself. I don't know if I can. It's be a good different at, skill like, to be able to people. do it on other people. Yeah, because everyone's face, you know, slightly different and I don't know. So as long as I can do it on me, that's that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, outfit number three, we're sitting on the floor here. Yeah, this outfit 
this outfit was one that I threw together and I was actually super insecure about it. Um, oh, why? I was like, I thought like, I was like, it's kind of like weird and like, there's so many things going on. But then when I posted it on my Instagram, it got like a crazy engagement oh. and like blew up and even like Petra Collins commented on it and was like this is that's her book in the picture but she was like this is so great and I was like wow it goes to show that like you can't let that inner voice like get you down because you know now it's like one of my most talked about outfits so I feel like the color story is very striking and everything looks like it was presented as an outfit together but I'm gonna guess that you mix and matched it all yeah, it's so many different pieces. I think in total, let's see, it's like one, two, three, it's like five or six different pieces um, just blended together. Is it all thrifted? Uh, so the corset is from With Jean and then the um, dress is thrifted and then it's like thrifted lingerie. And then the, yeah, the gloves, I'm drawing a blank on the brand at the moment. I got them at like a secondhand store though. And then the um, little sparkly gem belt is from Lariga Matoshi and the rings are from Short and Sweet. Nice. All right. Fit number four, we're crossing the street. (laughs) Okay. Fit number four. Um, I have better pictures of this outfit, but this was taken on my friend's film camera and I just thought it was kind of moody and cool, but yeah, it definitely um, is. Yeah. This, so this skirt is what I was talking about earlier. It's from a blue Marine runway collection in the two thousands. I believe it's 2004. And, um, I got this from an Etsy seller and when I saw it, I was so happy because I've been looking for something from that runway for forever. It seems really like the plug for a designer vintage. Yeah, it really is. And so it's one of my prized pieces. I will cherish it forever. And um, let's see, the corset is thrifted. The big knit cardigan is from Hope McCauley. Um, And then the mesh top is, let's see, the mesh top. Oh, it's from Find Me Now, which is this super cute um, brand in New York. And the shoes are also thrifted, but they're Mew Mew. Oh, we're going to need a better picture of the shoes. Yes. (laughs) I thought they were like a dad sneaker because the shoes are blurry in the photo. Yeah, yeah. No, they're actually like gold and super sparkly. So, (laughs) Yes, love to tell them about. All right, fit number five. Uh, I see your modeling skills are back in action. Yeah, this was, um, I was recently in Paris, so this is me just taking a mirror, mirror selfie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the mirror in that air baby was amazing. I wish I could have. With the home. stairs too, absolutely gorge. Yeah, so I love this dress. I thrifted in Paris when I was there. It was $20 and it's uh, Custo Barcelona, so I was thrilled about that and then the boots are aquazura and the sunglasses are <laughs> thrifted they're actually night vision tactical <laughs> and i made a video about it recently because literally everyone is like where did you get those are those vintage prada i'm like no <laughs> they're like 
tactical glasses are those glasses you get if you get like laser hair removal that is <laughs> what they are. so funny Fast- inspiration can be found anywhere right anywhere and if you own it like you know people believe it exactly you know, okay, the shoes are killer how is it wearing such a high heel around paris like are you walking a lot that was a when when i wore these to go out i was like quick reality check because I didn't even think about the cobblestones and was like, Oh God, (laughs) this was a mistake. (laughs) So I didn't wear those shoes the rest of the trip, but yeah, sneakers are the best. (laughs) You got to do it for the look sometimes. Yeah. You got to (laughs) suffer. All right. Well with that, we have wrapped up our episode. Taylor, thank you so much for being a part of this. We loved talking with you. I know we talked about it earlier, but let's get all of those, uh, apps out there for everybody listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. So my Instagram is at Tay Tots and my art Instagram is art by Katara. And yeah, if you're in New York City and you want to come to my art show pop-up shop, it's going to be June 4th and 5th in the Lower East Side. All right. We will make sure that everybody in New York City is hearing this. (laughs) Thank you. And people can purchase some prints online as well, right? Yeah, I have a print shop online um, and I will be releasing all the prints that are at the pop-up online as well. So if you're not in New York, you can still participate. So, And all the details for everything is on my Instagram. Fabulous. All right. With that, everybody, we will talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Thank you. Verve is the only source for everything fashion on the internet. If you've been inspired to get dressed up for yourself this week, tag us to be featured on our Instagram at Verve Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Katie Gassman and at Anna Grace Averett. Links are in the show notes. This podcast is written and produced by Katie Gassman and Anna Grace Averett. Edited by Katie Gassman. Creative direction by Anna Grace Averett. This has been a three beverage media production.